Welcome to Jeff's Letters. This is an audio narration of Jeff Bezos's annual letter to shareholders. My name is Preet Anand, and I am your narrator. There's so much wisdom in these letters that they need to be as accessible as possible, and that's why I'm putting them on audio. This is a non-commercial effort, and my hope is that the 2020 letter Jeff narrates himself. Now, on to the letter. To our share owners, the American Customer Satisfaction Index recently announced the results of its annual survey, and for the eighth year in a row, customers ranked Amazon number one. The United Kingdom has a similar index, the UK Customer Satisfaction Index, put out by the Institute of Customer Service. For the fifth time in a row, Amazon UK ranked number one in that survey. Amazon was also just named the number one business on LinkedIn's 2018 top companies list which ranks the most sought-after places to work for professionals in the United States. And just a few weeks ago, Harris Poll released its annual Reputation Quotient, which surveys over 25,000 consumers on a broad range of topics from workplace environment to social responsibility to products and services, and for the third year in a row, Amazon ranked number one. Congratulations and thank you to the now over 560,000 Amazonians who come to work every day with unrelenting customer obsession, ingenuity, and commitment to operational excellence. And on behalf of Amazonians everywhere, I want to extend a huge thank you to customers. It's incredibly energizing for us to see your responses to these surveys. One thing I love about customers is that they're divinely discontent. Their expectations are never static. They go up. It's human nature. We didn't ascend from our hunter-gatherer days by being satisfied. People have a voracious appetite for a better way, and yesterday's wow quickly becomes today's ordinary. I see that cycle of improvement happening at a faster rate than ever before. It may be because customers have such easy access to more information than ever before. In only a few seconds and with a couple of taps on their phone, customers can read reviews, compare prices for multiple retailers, see whether something's in stock, find out how fast it will ship or be available for pickup, and more. These examples are from retail, but I sense that the same customer empowerment phenomenon is happening broadly across everything we do at Amazon and most other industries as well. You cannot rest on your laurels in this world. Customers won't have it. How do you stay ahead of ever-rising customer expectations? There's no single way to do it. It's a combination of many things. But high standards, widely deployed and at all level of detail, are certainly a big part of it. We've had some successes over the years in our quest to meet the high expectations of customers. We've also had billions of dollars worth of failures along the way. With those experiences as backdrop, I'd like to share with you the essentials of what we've learned so far about high standards inside an organization. Intrinsic or teachable? First, there's a foundational question. Are high standards intrinsic or teachable? If you take me on your basketball team, Can you teach me many things, but you can't teach me to be taller? Do we first and foremost need to select for high standards people? If so, this letter would need to be mostly about hiring practices, but I don't think so. I believe high standards are teachable. In fact, people are pretty good at learning high standards simply through exposure. High standards are contagious. Bring a new person onto a high standards team and they'll quickly adapt. The opposite is also true. If low standards prevail, 
those too will quickly spread. And though exposure works well to teach high standards, I believe you can accelerate that rate of learning by articulating a few core principles of high standards, which I hope to share in this letter. Universal or domain-specific? Another important question is whether high standards are universal or domain-specific. In other words, if you have high standards in one area, do you automatically have high standards elsewhere? I believe high standards are domain-specific and that you have to learn high standards separately in every arena of interest. When I started Amazon, I had high standards on inventing, on customer care, and thankfully on hiring. But I didn't have high standards on operational process. How to keep fixed problems fixed, how to eliminate defects at the root, how to inspect processes, and much more. I had to learn and develop high standards on all of that. My colleagues were my tutors. Understanding this point is important because it keeps you humble. You can consider yourself a person of high standards in general and still have debilitating blind spots. There can be whole arenas of endeavor where you may not even know that your standards are low or non-existent and certainly not world-class. It's critical to be open to that likelihood. Recognition and scope. What do you need to achieve high standards in a particular domain area? First, you have to be able to recognize what good looks like in that domain. Second, you must have realistic expectations for how hard it should be to achieve that result, the scope. Let me give you two examples. One is a sort of toy illustration, but it makes the point clearly. And another is a real one that comes up at Amazon all the time. A close friend recently decided to learn to do a perfect freestanding handstand. No leaning against the wall, not just for a few seconds. Instagram good. She decided to start her journey by taking a handstand workshop at her yoga studio. She then practiced for a while, but wasn't getting the results she wanted. So she hired a handstand coach. Yes, I know what you're thinking, but evidently this is an actual thing that exists. In the very first lesson, the coach gave her some wonderful advice. Most people, he said, think that if they work hard, they should be able to master a handstand in about two weeks. The reality is that it takes about six months of daily practice. If you think you should be able to do it in two weeks, you're just going to end up quitting. Unrealistic beliefs on scope, often hidden and undiscussed, kill high standards. To achieve high standards yourself or as part of a team, you need to form and proactively communicate realistic beliefs about how hard something's going to be. Something this coach understood well. Six-page narratives. We don't do PowerPoint or any other slide-oriented presentations at Amazon. Instead, we write narratively structured six-page memos. We silently read one at the beginning of each meeting in a kind of study hall. Not surprisingly, the quality of these memos varies widely. Some have the clarity of angels singing. They are brilliant and thoughtful and set up the meeting for high-quality discussion. Sometimes they come in at the other end of the spectrum. In the handstand example, it's pretty straightforward to recognize high standards. It wouldn't be difficult to lay out in detail the requirements of a well-executed handstand, and then you're either doing it or you're not. The writing example is very different. The difference between a great memo and an average one is much squishier. It would be extremely hard to write down the detailed requirements that make up a great memo. Nevertheless, I find that much of the time, readers react to great memos very similarly. They know it when they see it. 
The standard is there and it is real, even if it's not easily describable. Here's what we figured out. Often, when a memo isn't great, it's not the writer's inability to recognize the high standard, but instead a wrong expectation on scope. They mistakenly believe a high standard six-page memo can be written in one or two days, or even a few hours, when it really might take a week or more. They're trying to perfect a handstand in just two weeks, and we're not coaching them right. The great memos are written and rewritten, shared with colleagues who are asked to improve their work, set aside for a couple days, and then edited again with a fresh mind. They simply can't be done in a day or two. The key point here is that you can improve results through the simple act of teaching scope, that a great memo probably should take a week or more. Skill. Beyond recognizing the standard and having realistic expectations on scope, how about skill? Surely to write a world-class memo, you have to be an extremely skilled writer. Is it another required element? In my view, not so much, at least not for the individual in the context of teams. The football coach doesn't need to be able to throw, and a film director doesn't need to be able to act, but they both do need to recognize high standards for those things and teach realistic expectations on scope. Even in the example of writing a six-page memo, that's teamwork. Someone on the team needs to have the skill, but it doesn't have to be you. As a side note, by tradition at Amazon, authors' names never appear on the memo. The memo is from the whole team. Narrator's note, uh, this is a really important point in my view, because excellence is what customers should see in my view, and that means excellence is what a team should be desiring and what a team should be aspiring to. But not everyone is great at all things. To Jeff's point earlier about standards, you know, most people are selectively great. They're not usually universally great. And so that's why team composition is super important, as well as team candor, to be able to kindly but effectively prod each other to get better and to make sure that the team collectively is doing the best work. Back to Jeff. Benefits of high standards. Building a culture of high standards is well worth the effort, and there are many benefits. Naturally and most obviously, you're going to build better products and services for customers. This would be reason enough. Perhaps a little less obvious, people are drawn to high standards. They help with recruiting and retention. More subtle, a culture of high standards is protective of all the invisible but crucial work that goes on in every company. I'm talking about the work no one sees, the work that gets done when no one is watching. In a high standards culture, doing that work well is its own reward. It's part of what it means to be a professional. And finally, high standards are fun. Once you've tasted high standards, there's no going back. So the four elements of high standards as we see it, they're teachable. They're domain specific. You must recognize them and you must explicitly coach realistic scope. For us, these work at all levels of detail. Everything from writing memos to whole new clean sheet business initiatives. We hope they help you too. From the Amazon Leadership Principles, insist on the highest standards. Leaders have relentlessly high standards. Many people may think these standards are unreasonably high. Recent milestones. 
The high standards our leaders strive for have served us well. And while I certainly can't do a handstand myself, I'm extremely proud to share some of the milestones we hit last year, each of which represents the fruition of many years of collective effort. We take none of them for granted. Prime. 13 years post-launch, we have exceeded 100 million paid Prime members globally. In 2017, Amazon shipped more than 5 billion items with Prime worldwide. And more new members joined Prime than any previous year, both worldwide and in the U.S. Members in the U.S. now receive unlimited free two-day shipping on over 100 million different items. We expanded Prime to Mexico, Singapore, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg, and introduced business Prime shipping in the U.S. and Germany. We keep making Prime shipping faster as well, with Prime-free same-day and Prime-free one-day delivery now in more than 8,000 cities and towns. Narrator's note, I'm not going to do every single one of these milestones fully, more to just be illustrative of the amazing things being done. AWS. It's exciting to see Amazon Web Services, a $20 billion revenue run rate business, accelerate its already healthy growth. Narrator's note, next year, it's a $30 billion run rate business. Very healthy growth. Back to Jeff. AWS has also accelerated its pace of innovation, especially in new areas such as machine learning and artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, and serverless computing. In 2017, AWS announced more than 1,400 significant services and features, including Amazon SageMaker, which radically changes the accessibility and ease of use for everyday developers to build sophisticated machine learning models. Marketplace. In 2017, for the first time in our history, more than half of the units sold on Amazon Worldwide were from our third-party sellers, including small and medium-sized businesses. Over 300,000 U.S.-based small and medium-sized businesses started selling on Amazon in 2017, and fulfillment by Amazon shipped billions of items for small and medium businesses worldwide. Customers ordered more than 40 million items from small and medium businesses worldwide during Prime Day 2017, growing their sales by more than 60% over Prime Day 2016. Alexa Customer embrace of Alexa continues, with Alexa-enabled devices among the best-selling items across all of Amazon. We're seeing extremely strong adoption by other companies and developers that want to create their own experiences with Alexa. There are now more than 30,000 skills for Alexa from outside developers, and customers can control more than 4,000 smart home devices from 1,200 unique brands with Alexa. The foundations of Alexa continue to get smarter every day, too. We've developed and implemented an on-device fingerprinting technique, which keeps your device from waking up when it hears an Alexa commercial on TV. This technology ensured that our Alexa Super Bowl commercial didn't wake up millions of devices. Farfield speech recognition, which is already very good, has improved by 15% over the last year. And in the US, UK, and Germany, we've improved Alexa's spoken language understanding by more than 25% over the last 12 months through enhancements in Alexa's machine learning components and the use of semi-supervised learning techniques. Amazon Go. Amazon Go, a new kind of store with no checkout required, opened to the public in January in Seattle. Since opening, we've been thrilled to hear many customers refer to their shopping experience as magical. 
What makes the magic possible is a custom-built combination of computer vision, sensor fusion, and deep learning, which come together to create Just Walk Out shopping. With JWO, Just Walk Out, customers are able to grab their favorite breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, and grocery essentials more conveniently than ever before. Some of our top-selling items are not surprising. Caffeinated beverages and water are popular. But our customers also love the chicken banh mi sandwich, chocolate chip cookies, cut fruit, gummy bears, and our Amazon meal kits. India. Amazon.in is the fastest growing marketplace in India and the most visited site on both desktop and mobile, according to Comscore and SimilarWeb. This Amazon.in mobile shopping app was also the most downloaded shopping app in India in 2017, according to AppAni. Prime added more members in India in its first year than any previous geography in Amazon history. Prime selection in India now includes more than 40 million local products from 30-party sellers. And Prime Video is investing in India original video content in a big way, including two recent premieres and over a dozen new shows in production. Investment and job creation. Since 2011, we have invested over $150 billion worldwide in our fulfillment networks. $150 billion. Transportation capabilities and technology infrastructure, including AWS data centers. Amazon has created over 1.7 million direct and indirect jobs around the world. In 2017 alone, we directly created more than 130,000 new Amazon jobs, not including acquisitions, bringing our global employee base to over 560,000. Our new jobs cover a wide range of professions, from artificial intelligence scientists to packaging specialists to fulfillment center associates. In addition to these direct hires, we estimate that Amazon Marketplace has created 900,000 more jobs worldwide and that Amazon's investments have created an additional 260,000 jobs in areas like construction, logistics, and other professional services. The credit for these milestones is deserved by many. Amazon is 560,000 employees. It's also 2 million sellers, hundreds of thousands of authors, millions of AWS developers, and hundreds of millions of divinely discontent customers around the world who push to make us better each and every day. The path ahead. This year marks the 20th anniversary of our first shareholder letter, and our core values and approach remain unchanged. We continue to aspire to be Earth's most customer-centric company, and we recognize this to be no small or easy challenge. We know there is much we can do better, and we find tremendous energy in the many challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. A huge thank you to each and every customer for allowing us to serve you, to our share owners for your support, and to Amazonians everywhere for your ingenuity, your passion, and your high standards. As always, I attach a copy of our original 1997 letter. It remains day one. Sincerely, Jeff Bezos, founder and chief executive officer, Amazon.com. Commentary. This is one of the most impactful letters that I think Jeff has written. Because it is another way in which he articulates how Amazon has set up a culture that puts it beyond competition in the long term. In some cases, not in the short term, but definitely in the long term. And I mean that in a couple ways. First, the note about environment and how high standards 
and exposing someone to high standards can change someone itself. That in and of itself ensures that people are investing in the culture and investing in high standards, such that every new person that joins Amazon, if your hiring practice sets a high standard, then they'll be successful in that new environment as well, because they already know that the standard is high and they adapt to it and have that same impact to customers. Second, knowing that customers' expectations keep evolving, you have to hold yourself to a high standard to stay customer-obsessed. You can't rest on your laurels. You can't expect that today's success can't be taken away by some future event. And so you have to keep focused on inventing. You have to keep focused on listening to your customers. You have to keep focused on excellence. Another key piece is scope. That great work and achieving high standards takes time. You know, a lot of times in the age of MVP, a lot of times people put too much emphasis on the M of minimum viable product. And they do the minimum amount of work, not necessarily the viable amount of work. And so by modeling that greatness takes time, uh, that's a really key lesson. And I think that's what we see in a lot of the best products out there as well. You know, the iPhone is an incredible product. And being here in 2019, we forget how far it's come since 2006 and how much effort went into it originally. It was years and years and years of effort to get to that original groundbreaking product. And it has continued to just keep improving the standard, usually in pace with, if not above, customer expectations. And I'm going to end with a a quote that I think really lines up with what Jeff's message on this letter is. And this is from Ira Glass, uh, the, the creator of This American Life. It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure out how to do this than anyone I've ever met. It's going to take a while. It's normal to take a while. You've just got to fight your way through. Insisting on high standards is how you set the expectation that one has to put the time in to fight their way through and that they can develop the skills and that it's okay as a team to insist on high standards and not compromise. Because compromising is then how we eventually underdeliver for customers.